0: Hey guys! No, listen, no, we're not going to start it like that. It's not going to be the typical podcast thing you get on the internet here. It's going to be a little different. We're back. It's not Pusher Mania's podcast show anymore. This is Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala, and I am Matt Sanzala, and you're listening to us live, or sort of live, on the Pusher Mania Podcast Network. You can find everything on the iTunes, the Stitcher, the TuneIn, but we upload right there at the SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash so Subscribe to us on any or all of those uh, networks and tell a friend to tell a friend. I'd love it if you did that. Today, I know it's been a long time. I've been out and about, a lot of traveling this summer. Should have done some podcasts about that maybe, but alas, I didn't. When I'm back in the game, I finally got to go up to Dallas. It's been a minute. And get with my brothers from out of Fort Worth, Kurt Lowe and Ryan Everett from Complete. My special guest today recorded this last week. Live in the studio in uh, Dallas, Texas. This is the complete story of complete, as complete as you're probably going to get. I'm telling you, I finally got to sit down after years of being a fan and a friend with Kurt Lowe. You're going to get the lowdown on the early days and what's all the way up to what's going down right now, how that infamous video came uh, on Fort Worth Public Access, how it got on the YouTube machine. All these things are covered, and then some. Thank You for tuning in and uh dealing with my shit. I hope you enjoy this. If you like it, drop me an email matt at pushermania.com. Hit me on the Twitter, pushermania is my name there. Also on the Instagram, and uh, don't bother me on the Facebook. My name's Matt Sanzala. This is Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. You're about to learn the story of Complete. Man, it's been a long time coming. I've been wanting to sit down and do this for a long time, and it never happened with the Pusher Manias podcast. But now we're here with the brand new Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. This is the first edition. And I just happened to be up here in the DF dub and I had to call my man Kurt Lowe from the band Complete. I've been waiting to sit down and have a real talk with you. He's brought uh, one of the new members of the band, Ryan Everett. We're going to talk to him as well. We got, a, got all the time in the world, man. So good to finally catch up officially, Kurt.
1: Oh man, it's been what, seven years?
0: It's been at least seven years. I mean, when old. I first uh, 2009. saw... 2009. That was 2009?
1: Yeah, when we met at South by Southwest. remember I didn't have time
0: man that's right you know, it, right. Me and
1: I, you know.
0: Well, yeah because you had to get back you came down did back. the show and had to get right back
1: mama's back yeah my wife's back yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh you know i'm a family man mm-hmm. everybody knows that it's all about the music but family's most important really
0: man for me too i'll tell you this one thing uh people who may not know about you or our history is like everyone i discovered you on YouTube a friend of mine, Craig Stewart, who I worked with at South by Southwest, someone sent him the video and we sat down and, and we're both into like hard rock, hip hop, punk rock, whatever, but really like avant-garde music and things that don't really fit easily into a box. That's really what I like to hear. I personally like to hear music that I never heard before. You know, I like to hear a new sound or something different. And when I was growing up, to be honest, I learned a lot about music politics, uh, local city things from like public access channels. I would lay up in bed at night oh, yeah. and, like a nerd, totally. I would watch Farrakhan, and then I would watch Osho, <laughs> and then I'd watch the music program, like all kinds of crazy shit on, on public access. And so when I saw your video, I think it was from 96, 97, yeah, the yeah, concert yeah, y'all did, it was, in, it, was, yeah. it was Fort Worth Public Access, the first song I heard was Beautiful Sunrises. Can you tell me, because I don't know, actually. We've talked a million times, but I don't really know the background of what that show was and, and how that all came to be. Before YouTube, like, tell me a little bit about that concert.
1: Well, we just got the band together, and we've been together almost two and a half years at that point. And we used to do cover music, and right about that point in time, we decided to do original, so we threw a bunch of songs together, being a young band you don't know. You think you're great. You're the greatest thing on the planet. You're gonna take over the world. But the conception is you gotta let someone else listen to it and say, hey, this is good or bad. So we went to the studio, recorded, had it mastered, we throwed it out, gave it to a producer, said he had a local television show connected with MTV. Wow, MTV, yay. Every band when you're young wants that. And so uh, we went to do the show. The day's schedules and everything were the last band up and we did a sound check of two songs. One, it was real soft, like a lover's lament song, you know. And the other was kind of hard, dreaming. That song, Dreaming. Uh-huh. And the producer come up and said, You can't play. It's cutting the show. And they had put our name in Four Star-Telegram. Complete, complete, the biggest band will ever be next to Zeppelin. That's what it said in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram entertainment section. So there was 859 people there. And it was like 700 people that could be in the bar. It was over. You could tell. And so we all got in a huddle. So the the producer for MTV said, man, they're not that bad. You can't do this because there's too many people. The manager of the bar goes, the guy's named Bob Foster. He's passed away now, God rest his soul. But he goes, and uh, then uh, the member who just passed away, Creature, he's about to lose it. Oh, my God. And uh, anyways, uh, actually, uh Daryl, Pantera was there. My buddy, yes, Dimebag was going on tour with White Zombie. Yes, it was 90, uh, 97, early 97, and uh, so he wasn't going to let us do it. He said, "You're not going to use my show for original band. It's for all my cover bands." And I said, "Man, it's two months. We talked about it. Everything. I gave you my demo. What's the big deal? You put us in the paper. It had to cost money." So he said, "Well, I just ain't going to do it." Well. Of course, I said, you know what? I'm going to ass. Mom claims court. So I went into court. They had MTV, had two lawyers. Local cable had two lawyers. Bob Foster had a lawyer. And I knew I was basically screwed when I walked in. Because when you walk in and the judge says, hey, Bob, hey, not Bob Foster, but hey, Mr. Hey, Bob, how you doing? I was like, oh, no. So all I got on my side is a 4 Star-Telegram. So I take that, and I'm sitting there in front of this judge, district judge, and he says, well, you know, came up with a name for all four. And I said, well, that don't matter. He says, what are you saying? I said, he said, well, you're going to have to bring all four of them back. And I just bluntly said, that's a bunch of bullshit. Just loud, you know, being me, being me. And I've had to control it through years but because uh, I'm bipolar. I get excited about so many little things. And, and he said, you're in contempt of court. I said, I'm not in contempt of court. I walked up to his desk, which you can't do that, to a district judge and slapped the newspaper article, four-star telegram, and said, what does it say across the page? C-M-P-T, like you're saying, complete. He said, oh my God, that's the entertainment section. I said, you're right. He looks at, it wasn't no more Bob Foster. It was more no more Bob, it was Bob Foster. You know better than this. Then he became a judge, because he realized I was in the right. And he said, y'all need, it's it's snowing this day. It's snowing, we barely got there. That's the deal. We, like 15 miles an hour, but I went to court, they showed up, and I'm glad I did. The judge said, "We well, y'all can get back in the corner and talk about this. Well, I'm mad, fuck you, screw this, uh-uh. I'm just gonna go to a real court. I'll get all four of us together. It was Mark and I, the guitarist. As we're backing out, I slid and hit the bailiff in the snow, and <laughs> in the sleet, and he slid. And, and Mark goes, you just hit somebody. I said, no, I didn't. I'm still mad. Remember bipolar? Yeah, yeah. I'm in that rage. He, he said, Mark runs down to win it, and I said, and he's getting it off the ground. And I go, What the F you want, dude? What do you want? And he goes, They want to talk to you. So I parked my truck again, slide back in, go inside, and he said, Man, I did do you wrong. I promised you all this. Da, 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 da. that I set it up for December, December the 6th. And so, what's so cool about it, <laughs> more people came. They heard about the two little songs we did. And uh so, if you listen to that video that we did that night, you hear people in the background. They're dogging us, talking trash about it. That is Bag Daryl and Billy Paul saying all those hateful things. Yes, they, they were coming off tour now. Because that was like eight, nine months from getting us on back on the show. And halfway through the show, I know the sound man that was running a sound truck. You know, you had five people in the truck, the video truck. You got the two stationary carriers and the three roaming cameras. So I went halfway through the show and I said, I told the sound man, why are you doing me like this? You're screwing me on the PA. He said, dude, Bob told me if I didn't do it, I'd lose my job. I make 550 bucks a week and I got three kids. Well, I got children, I understand that. So I said, okay, the rest of the show's gonna be bad, but that part of the show is what got aired. Well, the dude Dave, ironically, how we got to this point, dude Dave in a video shop, he kind of lied a little bit. But, uh, and, and bass player Peter wasn't being rude to the guy. He just told him the truth. I can do what you can do with a pick. Mm-hmm. I don't need no processor. I know I've learned. I've done my job. My uncle's a famous bass player that played with the fab of Stunnerbird, So I kind of know things you don't know. And the guy took it offensively. But he's confident, like most bass players are, or musicians in general. And uh, so he put it out there as a joke to embarrass. And uh, it was... 2008, we were playing Ridgely Theater. Uh, Richard Van Zant of the Van Zant family, you know Leonard Skinner, called me and said, "Hey, Kurt, can you put a couple bands together? I'll give you 650 if you'll cover uh, six hours of music. No big deal." Called two friends I know, and I know they can play three, or four hours. Said, "Hey man, it's 200 picks a piece when well, we show up." Well, we started playing uh, the song "Beautiful Sunrise," which you asked about, but P- Creature version, was uh, uh, and. Uh, these kids just start packing the hole upstairs. My wife was called and said, I said, wait if things start. She couldn't make it upstairs until the third song. They packed, uh, right? And then uh, I said to the crowd, can you all get up? My wife sat down. And they just like a parting seat. <laughs> she got to sit down. And we got through this. Uh, they just All these hundreds of kids gathered around me and said, aren't you cursed, Brumble?" By this time, I'd already changed my name to Kurt Lowe. I was so embarrassed of that night because my great uncle's Willie Nelson, and I'm supposed to be a professional here, right? And it was just a point, point and really what I'm trying to say is you really don't know what you're doing. You really don't know because what do the people think? That's all that matters. It ain't what you think. We as musicians build this up in our head. This is so great, and it's so horrible. We don't stop and think, is this good? From Because... We're competing with so many great musicians. We grow up around these people, and they're so doing this, we're doing that, so we're trying to compete with them. And really, at that point in time, when I really learned something, it's not about the musicians. It's about the fans. It's about people that you might could listen to your music. That's what it's about. It ain't about the money. It ain't about the fame. It's about the music. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters, yeah.
0: You're related to Willie Nelson and have connections to the Fabulous Thunderbirds?
1: Yes. Here's a story about Willie. This is when I want to start playing music. This is when I got the itch. My father owned about down by Lake Whitney. I'm from Hillsboro, Texas, right down the street about, uh, I guess about, what's, uh, about About 50 miles. Yeah, yeah. Well, you took the Y today and went east and I said, yeah, that's my hometown. You go, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was wondering why this redhead guy with braids. I always come to my dad's house because my dad used to host bikers because he had so much land. And there's a creek called Quilla Creek right there. And he built a place on right and left that the warlords, the banditos, and the uh, Hells Angels would come at different times a year. I'm talking about 4,000 bikers. And he had built a swimming area for both sides, and they never conflicted. And this guy with red hair, braids, was always uh, since I was a little kid, always seen this guy. So one day I walked up to him and I said, why are you here? He said, I'm your uncle. I said, no, you're not. Everybody laughs. All these Hills Angel bikers start laughing. I'm just 12 and a half years old. What do I know, right? And so he said, "Uh," and that's the first time I actually got high. (laughs) First time ever, yep. He said, your dad smokes, so why shouldn't you? Well, as I'm in the middle of smoking, my father walks up. That didn't go good no. at all. My dad.
0: Twelve and a half years old.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> and I found out then I like to get out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my dad explained the story to me. So after that, I wanted to be a musician. Now here's the funny thing about my story, which is a lot of people don't know. I would buy amps, guitars, basses, whatever, and it would never work after I originally bought them. So upon my father's death, which is kind of going forward a little bit, He had to apologize because he used to cut wires on my amps and stuff. He didn't want me to be a musician. He played bass Mm -hmm. with my Uncle Willie and he don't want me to be a musician. That makes no sense. He wanted me to have a regular job, he said. Be a businessman. That ain't what I wanted. So, through the years I've tried and complete was my third chance to really do something like that. Athlete, I used to box. I was number six ranked boxer in the world. I helped Holyfield literally beat Mike Tyson's ass because see Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson when I was boxing,
2: because
1: I wanted to beat him. That wouldn't have made me famous. I always wanted to be famous. You know? That, since I was 12 and a half years old, I wanted to be in the limelight. I don't know why. It's just what I wanted. I thought it'd be cool. Through the years, I look at all these people, wow, they just... And once I got into the business, it's not as cream of the crop like everybody pretends on television is. If they go through so much. My God, did they go through it.
0: Well, that's crazy because I, I want to talk more about this. I don't want to oh, get I'm too. No, 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 I do want to talk more. I don't I want to get too sidetracked about this, but when you talked about the bikers coming to your dad's land, I remember how outspoken you were when all those bikers were arrested at that place off 35, that was in, uh, duh, 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 that was four or five years ago when there, when there was that mass shootout and big mass arrest.
1: Carl's Corner, Texas, which is Willie Nelson's uncle. Carl Cornelius. Had run, but he, had to, he he got a bunch of money from his family. So if you go through with 35 splits, where you did, there's a little town called Carl's Corner. Mm-hmm. And that's a town illegal, it's a town. Setting off to the right there, off in the middle of that big land, you know, as you come up on that truck stop on the left, mm-hmm. there's 15 acres with a big metal stage out there. Mm-hmm. And I can, I've got the, all I have to do is go mow the property Electricity set up on the stage, the stage is out in there. That's where Willie played for years. You've and you grew,
0: you grew up in that atmosphere? Huh? You grew up in like that atmosphere? Yes,
1: yeah, I helped build the stage. My dad did as a young kid.
0: So is Willie so? Nelson your father's brother?
1: Willie, his mom and dad live in Abbott, mm-hmm. which is seven miles from Hillsboro. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and my wife now that I got now, she didn't believe when the, my dad came back around and she didn't believe it was Willie Nelson. Well, we pull up to his house, he says, Nelson. My dad says, what does that say on the mailbox? It says, Nelson. And then there's this big red, stranger, redhead stranger bus right out behind it. So, yeah, and he goes, I guess Curtis isn't lying. Well, no, I'm not. I don't need to lie. Why do I need to lie? I don't need to lie. Right. But uh, Willie has, I don't talk to him a lot. I haven't talked to him in about 16 years. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, he really helped me. I kept in touch with him by letters. Because we didn't have the Internet like we got emails or something. But I kept up with him through the years. And I truly believe, because in 89, when I decided to give up singing only and start playing, I got tired of losing guitars. So uh, I had a, uh, Jeff Healy. I had a, I, well, I, had a I, I could tell by his tone of voice, he was a black guy. And he said, how would you like to really home your style, be yourself, be something, you're unique, we've seen you play at Club Dada. I'd played on Sunday at Club Dada when Tom Sean." which was, uh, Paul McCartney's roadie asked me to come and play. And so, so it was the next Monday I went and, uh, I walked in. I don't know who Jeff Healy is. He's wearing sunglasses in the middle of the night. I just thought he thinks he's cool. And I had no idea. He's totally blind. I was young. I had no idea what I'm walking into. So walking (sighs) in this big old studio versus guitars all over the place. It's a real, you know, see gold records on the wall, platinum, and and I said, well, but I'm still arrogant. You know, when you're young, you're arrogant, and you're pompous, and like, I know what I'm doing. And he looks at me and he says, what are you into right now? I said, well, kind of Metallica. And he said, he threw down, what was it? I'm not, I want to think it's Seek and Destroy, but it's one of the songs like that, one of the early songs, and I got humbled real quick, because he's doing the lead in the rhythm, a blues guy. And then they sat down and said, you want to learn how to have your own style that people will follow? Yeah, it's going to be simple, but we'll show you how to make that simple. Make it wicked. We'll show you the secret to music. So what am I going to say? No. So I, and and that's truly I found out years later that was my Uncle Willie that sent them to me to help me. So it ain't like he left me alone. Yeah.
0: So tell me about the, you know, it being, 12 years old, younger, and in that, in the teenage realm, like in a place like Hillsboro, what were were those, were those like gatherings of bikers, like the different factions would come there and it'd be like a big party or a concert or Willie Nelson would perform for them? Or what was that like?
1: Well, where they were doing all that was Blum, Texas, because him and Hank Jr., him and Hank Jr. bought a ranch in Blum, Texas. It's about 16 acres. There's a big old stage and everything. So I grew up going there. Uh, since I was like seven, eight years old. And I used to go watch some of the greatest musicians. I'm talking about heavy metal, blues, jazz, orchestra. Every genre you can think of will get on stage and play everybody else's songs. And they're having a good old time. They're partying and just being themselves. And I guess that's why at 12 and a half, I want to be a musician. I just thought that was the coolest thing on the planet. you know. But like I say, I had no idea the work goes into it. Them guys worked their butts off to get where they were at. Mm-hmm. The, the the broken dreams and but I have no regrets.
0: and you shouldn't. I don't want to. I want to take a couple of musical breaks here. What what do you think would be the best first song to play? Should it be something off the last album or maybe one of the early recordings. I mean, we could. I want to say beautiful sunrises for a little little later yeah, in the show because nice. that's my jam. That's we're nice. gonna get on that in a little bit. What what do you want to play right now?
1: Well, I want to say uh, thank y'all for listening, man. I am so grateful that the complete nation has hung with me for the years. And the best is yet to come. It really is. And we'll explain that later. I don't really want to jump into it because a lot of good information I got to say later. But, yeah, yeah.
0: What song would you like
1: to play? What song? Yeah.
0: (sighs) Because we're going
1: to do this like a radio show. I'm going to play a song where I can talk more. I I I, I like them all. There's not one song I've ever played that I do not like. Let's start off with Hoogie Hoogie Boogie Land. Oh, good. Do it. Hit it. That'll work. Yes.
0: We are live in the DF Dub right about now with Kurt Lowe of the legendary band Complete. This is Hoogie Boogie Land. We will be right back. Ready
1: for our version of a party song. Are y'all ready? Hey, can I hear you on the back of y'all ready out there? Yeah! All right, you say no, well, how about this? We're going to take you on a little trip to a land called Hoogie
0: Boogie Land. Hey, Sparky.
1: hey, Sparky. Yeah, man, what's up? Hey, man, you want to do us the band and all these people here a favor take us on a trip to a magical land yeah
2: sure man Uh, uh, let's go to hoogie boogie 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 land where you gonna go they didn't hear you in the back Take us to Hoogie Boogie Land. Cause in Hoogie Boogie Land, there is no war. There is no hate. Can you all relate? So smack it up, Foxy. And take us where all we want to be. That's what life is always great. So, pack it up, pack it. Yeah. It takes me to the boogie land. Parking. It's like it's where we The Hoogie Boogie the Hoogie Boogie Land Love is always there hooky Boogie Land, boogie Land
0: Ah! (laughs) Now going back to that the infamous uh youtube where people you know where i would say almost everybody modern people you know outside of your world discovered complete you said that was originally a show that was connected to mtv and it it didn't happen for you so they brought you back again to you know what after the court and after everything you just explained that was when you record... After the court and everything, it was the next show was when you recorded that show that was actually on, like, a Fort Worth yes. television, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was when they recorded it. let it go. What was that venue? Music venue is what he called the show. Yeah. The bar was called Sharky's. Okay. Uh, the guy that originally opened Sharkies, he used to... Uh, he used to care for sharks. Him and his family cared for sharks, so they called it Sharkies. Mm-hmm. Hence the name Shark, you know. And... Oh, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Well, I noticed when I was looking at the crowd, I mean, I know Fort Worth, you know, I've I've been to Fort Worth not to talk about stereotypes or whatever, but I thought it was pretty interesting to see people ride their horse to the fucking bar and stuff. Like, I mean, that's something. But looking at the crowd throughout some of those videos, there were some, you know, some country folks. There was like a mix of people in there watching you guys. Can you describe for me a little bit more about, like, what the vibe was that day?
1: Well, you start at a packed venue with too many people. Is what we did. Look up. There's close to over 800 people, like I said, there. Literally, when we did the filming, there's over 800 people. It was was elbow to elbow. You you ever been in stuff like that? We all have. Uh, The sound was so bad on the mix from the board, and a lot of bands understand this. The sound man can be your friend, or he can be your worst nightmare. It depends if he likes you or not. And it was bad. We cleaned out. All them people, except for 32 people, by the third start of the third song, it was over. And I thought, wow, are we that bad? No. I I don't know. You know, I really don't know. But but here's, you want to know the real secret there, Matt? Yeah. Coming up to that show, we decided about a week prior, do we play like we've been doing or we be different? So we had a brilliant idea. This will be a little different. Let's change this, let's change that. I'll scream a little off here, do this a little off there. It was all planned. We worked, God, 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day on it. Cause I had a lawn business, Everybody's working for me. So <clears throat> we could do it. And I walk up to uh, Mark the night was doing it. We're like, we're like three and a half hours early. And I walk up to him and say, hey Mark, you ready everything you wanted? You wanted me to start singing. And I hadn't been done every year, Here's your night, we're fixing to hit it. He says, Don't talk to me, man. I'm scared to death. Oh, great. Here's one member fixing to lose it. Oh, God. And he means it. And I actually was with his niece. So I've been around him for 10, 12 years prior. So I knew, wow, okay. I look at the drummer over here. He looks like he's just combobulated. I walk over and said, Hey, T Dog, what's up? You think I need my cymbals? He lives ten minutes away. I mean there and back, five minutes at the most. And I said, really, dude? I said, oh, God, he's losing it because the cameras. Something in in entertainment, either you can handle the interviews like this, the cameras, or you lose your ever-loving mind. And I hear from the other end of the bar, uh, creatures like, can I have another double? He knew. He's one of the people that can handle, you know, that's why I guess we've been together doing this for so long. And uh, I called Daryl. I said, hey, dude, uh, is your dude coming? And there's a secret in entertainment. I'm going to tell it. I don't care. I've always broke the rules. You know that. Uh, when you get big, you get a big band. There's a guy or somebody who'll get to handle anything you want. Mm-hmm. If you, you're you good enough to make it to the top, you can have anything you want. And I mean, literally. So he, he, I said, dude, we need some, some good LSD.
0: I swear to God, I was going to ask you in this interview, was there any LSD involved in
1: that video, in that concert?
0: I swear to God. I was going to ask you that question. Please continue.
1: So back when I was young, I used to like to take the ride. Oh boy, that's a story. I go into a little mini story for a second. I used to like this Ohio LSD. Uh, I was 16 years old, and staying with my grandparents on a Sunday, and I just got to tell a story and I'd get back to it. But I met this brunette. She was beautiful as I'm tripping. So. I walked up on my grandma and grandpa's porch, and it's about, it's a good daybreak, probably about 9 7 yet. My grandfather said, boy, you need to get off them drugs. I said, I'm not on drugs, Papa. He said, I've been sitting there watching for three and a half hours, making out with my oak tree, Kurt. You need to give it up. I thought it was a beautiful brunette, and I was making out. That's what it did to you. So we rolled down the road to the night. So years I learned how to kind of handle it and deal with it, I guess, the best you can. So I asked Darrell, I said, they got stage fright, Darrell. What do I do? What do I do? And and Darrell, I'm not going to say who they are, but there's a couple members of Pantera had the same problem. He said, dude, drop a cup of hits of LSD in their drink. <laughs> Don't tell them. Well, okay, I'll try anything for them not to panic. So I take two hits of Purple Microdite and I drop it.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to get people not to panic. Give them LSD that they don't know about. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good way to do that.
1: So I got, I got four shots on the bar. Well, I had, I had what, four eight shots. I drop one in each one so I don't poison them, you know. I don't want to kill them. And uh, we all take the shots. And I pull, I, I, I got uh, 100 hits of white paper, which breaks up into four-way hits. And I said, well, I pulled out my pocket right there at the bar, and I take me two of those. I take eight hits of LSD on top of that. Well, the band's like, hey, man, what are you taking? I said, some acid. You want to help you to relax? They have no idea. They've already ingested two different kinds of acid. So I give them eight apiece. So, yes. And so I go outside, and, of course, Mark and Creature, T-Dog was a drinker. We go out in the parking lot and here's this guy smoking. I don't even think, because I'm now starting to starting, I'm starting to feel it. This is about 30, 45 minutes later. This is about two and a half hours before we ever go on stage. So I know we'd be good and frying, what they call it. When we smoke this stuff, and this LSD ain't touching me, because what I'm smoking is making it even worse. And then as I'm walking away, I remember, oh, shit. This dude likes to smoke angel dust. We were gone, so, there's the funny part about, okay, let's get to the show, it's time for complete to get on stage, everybody's milling around stage, everybody's doing good, everybody's, they're all cussing me, they're saying, F you this, man, I can't believe you gave us this, I said, you took it on your own, da, 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 it's one of them kind, and then, uh, they go, four, three, you know how they do it, two, no words, one, and they point at you, I run off the stage, and the cameraman, the stationary camera in front of me, I grab him and throw him in his camera. I look at him and say, what the fuck are you looking at, dude? They're filming this live. People haven't seen this. I got it at home. My mother, I got the original, but they cut it out, but I got the original they got. And he says, hey, Kurt, you're you're in the right frame of mind to a show, dude, but we're filming live. And I guess whatever part of me, oh, okay. I thought about it, I jump back on stage. Here the dude goes again. The producer on the, on the floor goes, four, three, one, point at me. I look at the second stationary camera. I look at Mark, I said, what the? I don't know, go ask him. I go grab him and throw him on the floor. I'm really freaking frying, right? So, uh, <laughs> I get back on stage, and of course all four of us like nothing, right? So the key was to key in on Mark, he's gonna do this cool little pentatonic solo. Mm -hmm. They zoomed in on Mark, right on his fingers. Not a sound, (laughs) not a sound. So everything that we rehearsed to make it unique and a little bit different, Uh, I don't even remember the show. We're talking 52 minutes and 24 seconds, I do not remember. So I got through. Walked off stage. I remember talking to the, my friend halfway through it when he's doing it because we did the interview first before we ever did anything. And Creature put that crazy old cat in the hat hat on because he knew it was gonna come in after. That's really before the LSD started kicking in. And I went to Daryl down back and I said, dude, what do you think? I am frying, dude. He says, Kurt, if this ever hits the air, no one will ever forget you. You made a splash. So on the video, you know, it's got the phone number. That's Mark, the guitarist's phone number. So Eric, we knew when it aired there'd be phone calls coming in. We always knew when it got aired, three or four times a day for a month. There was calls coming in, and so we had a piece of paper, the good and bad, and and the third one was undecided. Nope, that good and bad was uh, they filled out. One was uh, was a, oh y'all ain't bad. Where are y'all playing at? Now the other ones. You son of a bitch, this is so bad. Where do you live at? I'll come and kick your ass, destroy your instruments. That's what, that's what I mean, good and bad. There was no in between. When there was one more bad than good, and at that moment in time, instead of embracing what we had, we uh, started complaining. Mark and Peter, which then he changed the name, creature after this, that's when they looked at each other, you're the problem, you're the problem. we are all been in bands. You know how that goes. That's when it all started Instead of believing in each other. And we all have talked about it through the years. We regret that moment in time. We should not have done that. Because we did have something special. Mm-hmm. It showed years later. Yeah, that night was, we was truly, <laughs> oh my God, way too much.
0: So were those songs improvised? Or were those like, or sort of improvised off of what stuff you had written as well? Because to me, there, there's got to be a little improvis- improvisation in there.
1: The whole thing was Improv. By the next day when they started playing, I'm like, Fern, I opened my mouth. I'm like, I can't say nothing. So, uh, Mark had set up a camera in the living room facing us four. And you see all four of our voices for that, 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 that video. Our mouths on the floor going. Oh. There ain't no expression in any of our faces. We watched that video too. And I just said, no, no. We have a week before it goes on local cable for a month. We have two weeks before it goes a week on MTV. So that's where I changed from Curtis Brumlow to Kurt Lowe. That's when Peter Creech became Creecher. That's when Mark Swain became Mark St- Mike Stinson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it changed instantly.
0: I was wondering, cause I mean, <clears throat> watching that video really made, you know, it's not the exact same thing by any means, but it made me think about Captain Beefheart. Was Captain Beefheart an influence on you?
1: No, I didn't even know who Captain Beefheart was. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: What about, like, Frank Zappa?
1: Oh, yeah, I love Zappa, of course. We weren't trying to be that. We were trying to be the next, you're going to laugh about this, we were trying to be the next Zeppelin. That was in our mind, to be the next band that everybody loved. That was our idea. That was originally was the thing that kept the band going. And that's what did it for almost three years. That's what we believed. We want to be the next Zeppelin.
0: So how, you know, obviously I'm pretty sure you didn't do every show on that much acid, I would assume. How much different was a complete concert at a regular venue, not on TV around that time, than it was than what we saw,
1: what we see on this video? Well, before we did that and got on all the acid, we were getting paid, there was three bars, that paid us a hundred dollars a day to come practice even. Just practice. Give us all the free food and drinks we want and pay us all a hundred dollars a piece. There was three bars. We was floating around. Three different bars for about a year. Doing covers? Doing our stuff, the stuff you've seen on stage. There's actually five songs that the world's never seen. Stymie, which you've heard, is actually played with a harmonica. Stymie was just dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun, that's all it was, originally. But then I met, in 2000, I met James Hatfield in San Bernardino, California, and I was playing bass then. And he said, what's that song, where'd you get that rip from? And I sold it, I stole it from Seeky Destroy. Cause Seeky Destroyer goes dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, and it's got the four little quarter notes. Mm-hmm. Well, I just went dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, put three on and dun-dun. And I still stole them little quarter notes by the chorus. Well that was creature. Creature did that. Hmm. Yeah. So
0: after that, you know, that the crazy thing about the internet is like the whole world can see everything, but that public access show I'm assuming probably wasn't even shown in Dallas, right?
1: It was shown only in Fort Worth. Yeah. Anybody had Marcus Cable. Mm-hmm. And that's it. No one had ever seen that before.
0: Could you even imagine that some that many years later, that video would be, like, literally being streamed hundreds of thousands of times all over the world?
1: Well, you remember I was talking about in 2008 when we was playing at Ridgely, Ridgely Van out. Let's get back to that now. Yeah. I sit outside and there had to be three, 400 kids. I signed everything they bonus to sign, and I signed to Kurt Lowe. I said, well, my name's Kurt Lowe now, and they accepted, and I signed whatever they had. And Actually, I signed enough for my harm. I never signed that much stuff in my life, but I'll make sure everybody's happy. And I really told myself the band we was in was called uh, Barbed. I thought, wow, we got it going on. Not having no idea what they said.
0: Meter in the bar, her in the bed.
1: And, yep. And uh, so not knowing what I was about to see. So I went home that night, and I have a tradition that uh I don't really go get drinks, I don't go with women. I like to go sit down and have a couple of drinks and eat something and talk about what just happened because of that, because the reasonable complete, I got to know with the guys I'm playing with, what do y'all think? Mm -hmm. Do we do good, bad? Uh, That kind of changed my life that day. And I went home and uh, my stepson Thomas, my wife and my daughter Courtney, which, I was using the guest bathroom in our house. It's it's a seven bedroom house. And uh, I went on the other side because it has a bigger tub. Mm -hmm. I was laying there enjoying it because that's what I do to relax. uh, And I hear my wife, I hear Thomas and I hear Courtney laughing. They are laughing, they're losing it. And I told them the west side, because, and Claudia, she remembers, you know, and she She comes in the bathroom, she sits down was we'll just, we all know the women we're with, whether you're gay or married or whatever it is, you know your partner. There's something coming that they're trying to prepare you. She looks at me, this, this sweet little innocent face and says, you know, you said anything is good for publicity. Now don't get mad. And I, and I of course, come by the water. I said, what were y'all watching? What have they got on the internet about me? She said, you're not gonna believe it. So, I said, I want to see it, but I'm still kind of scared. I'm terrified. I still remember that moment in time the next day when I viewed what I viewed, and I can't believe this on the internet. No way. So, I gave it about four hours. I went out in my studio. I had a studio at the time in my house. I went out there and tried to play, but I still couldn't get that video. I got to look at that video, I got to see what it is. Why is everybody, why? And my daughter comes in and she goes, Daddy, you know, you're the best, worst musician in the world. Oh great, that's not what I was looking for. Zeppelin ain't the best worst band in the world. So I went and put it on the computer. I gotta watch it. I got a I got a twenty-two inch flat screen. That's when they first come out and I'm watching it and my mouse back on the floor, I know it is. It's just, and then I started reading some of the comments. Then uh a creature and I were sitting at my house on Jan uh on February the ninth. And he says, I bet you can get us in South by Southwest. You're pretty slick at getting us in places. Under complete, you're crazy. He said, No, oh, dude, see if you can. So what I did was a trick I learned in selling. I called and asked who runs South by Southwest. What be you? I hung up, called back, and said, Hey, can I speak so and so? I'm an old friend back in the day. They transferred me directly to your line, and then she comes back and said, Who are you? That's Kurt Lowe. You answered the phone. You couldn't believe it was me. You were shocked. Remember all the yeah. questions you asked me. You asked me so many questions that only anybody that researched what I'd done that day was, I said yeah, the same one. So, uh,
0: well, first of all, I want to clear that I did not run South by Southwest. But I did book a lot of it, I know, but, yeah. but the and Craig Stewart and I were fans of that video, and I remember that call where it was. It, I Craig Stewart is a is a joker, for sure. And we would mess with, we would try to ruin each other's lives every day at, at work, practically. It's similar, you know. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I was like.
1: I know you're shocked.
0: I was like, I we're bringing, we're, we're going to, me yeah, and Craig I'm were sure. like, we're bringing complete side. We're doing this. So, uh, no, actually, there was an email first.
1: Well, no, I called right, you first. You and you sent sure? my email address. He said, "Dude, I'll get you in and cost you nothing." Are you serious? Are y'all still together? So, well, the bass player and I are. called himself Creature. I'm Kurt Lowe now. And he said, "Okay, that's cool. Y'all will put a band together and come play y'all's original stuff." But Creature and I were in the band at that time it called Metal Stallion.
0: I remember because you asked me about doing covers and things like that too, mm-hmm. and I was like, "No, it's got to be original sh- original music."
1: So uh, we agreed with you. I said, Yo, sure. Anything you want, man, we'll do it." <laughs> Because I'd always wanted to play down there, because yeah. it got so big. Because I was down there with Daryl Pantera.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you remember Pantera? The two years they played.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: And I wanted to just because Daryl played. And we got booked. We got a scoot in. I didn't know what it was. Outdoor venue, beautiful. Now I'll never forget. Now I'll never forget that day. That's another day like the night at Video. Nine hundred seventy-two person venue. And when we started, no joke. There's maybe twenty people there. This is the people that work there, the bands. Maybe thirty. And we started setting up. We was in the middle of the set of all, like eight or ten bands on that venue. And uh, there really wasn't nobody coming in. So I thought, okay, let's go, let's go make another deal. But at least we're playing there. We busted into uh, the version we were playing at Time of Beautiful Sunrise. Had no idea. People knew the words of that song. And I looked across track because we're the only venue over here. And on this track, there's six or seven venues over there. And... People just start falling in, so by the third song, it's pretty well about half packed out now. But there's still people lined up coming across the road, and I started playing. We picked up a guy named Houston, as uh, lead player, and TK out of a, a college station that knew the music, and uh, so we just started getting played. Just, and uh, we were actually doing Metal Stallion style of complete mm-hmm. creature were. so. Uh, before you know, it's all over. In this place, you can't move in there. It's back to the limit. I'm looking in front of the stage, and here's the Austin Fire Marshal I'm looking right at me, and he's not happy. I knew there was a lot of people there, but I had no idea what he told me. He said, can I have your ID, sir? And I said, why? I was sanctioned to play here. Uh, I did nothing wrong. I didn't let nobody in the door. So I helped him up on stage, look, and I said, tell the people at the door and the owners over there in that booth over there. He said, no. I said, that's the owner right there. I ain't gonna get no tickets. I know if you're over the limit, that's a big fine. And so he said, there was 1,300 people or something or 1,400 there. Yes, you didn't know that. There was 1,493 people in that venue. Damn. I couldn't believe it. That's yeah. So. The rule of South by Southwest and most festivals, you can't sell your own shirts. You have to have it sanctioned in a booth. Well, at that time, they just gave you a check. Well, we're struggling musicians. We put it on fly. We got a hundred bucks. We know that will get gas down our back, get some food and get home. So we're selling shirts, complete. We call them the ghetto wear at that time. We're selling shirts that we spray painted in a motel seven hours earlier. They're all still wet, but we're selling them 10 bucks a piece. Boom, they go out the door. And then, uh, Christian come up to me and said, uh, you want to speak to me? And I said, as in, South by Southwest, speak to me? He said, yeah. And I said, oh, man, I knew this ain't good. And, uh, I saw oh, those shirts. I don't want no shirts. I said, dude, there's a pink shirt with a pink writing on it. And he got a, he said, yeah, probably his wife." They look like they're real close together. And I said, oh, okay, go get the shirt. I got a pink shirt. Uh, it's got pink pleat on it. So I take it, come back to you. I'm I'm terrified. I ain't gonna lie, dude. I, I, I really was because not that I, I just really don't give a fuck, but, you know, I wanted to come back again. I like that I'm there. And I knew that I beat Pantera by 10 people. Their second time they played, we beat them by 10 people. And so I walked up to you and you said, what are you doing selling shirts at my festival? Like you did, and I go.
0: I don't remember that, actually. But no, I, might were, well you, well. I might have been messing with you, though. I might have been messing with you. You were
1: lit. You. you were pretty well <laughs> lit, yeah. And, and at the end, the thing I do remember about all that was we got ready to really leave. You asked him about us at the after party, but my wife had just hurt her back, so I had to get back home. And uh, uh, what was God, I was trying to think. Uh, and uh, God, what you said was so funny. I'll think of it in a minute. I'll think of it.
0: Well, I was messing with you if I said that. I was you not were, trying to stop you from.
1: Oh yeah, you were messing with me, and and we were having a good deal. That's when we formed a friendship. But that moment, you know, you form you meet somebody, you see them, you form a friendship, and it happens instantly. And it was like, and I was just getting off that you enjoyed my music. Wow. Okay, you have heard of me. That's wow. You know, and uh, yeah
0: well what's funny about that show and that venue is the scoot Inn was just across the railroad tracks on the other side in the east side oh, and that was before gentrification really set in in austin and so my bosses were telling me i booked a lot of the hip-hop there right so i booked all the rappers but none of the venues on 6th street wanted rap they were there was a lot of racist venues on is 6th street on on? well we were on the other side of the scoot Inn, and but the scoot in the owners and and the bookers and they were like, yeah, let's try to do, you can do whatever you want here. And my, my bosses at South by were like, no one's gonna cross those streets. No one's gonna go to that venue. No one's gonna do this. <laughs> yes, they did. And man, the Scoot In became a premier venue in Austin not long after that show. And I will say um, a fun fact, that show was headlined by a band called Easy Action. Easy Action singer John Brannan. Is that when they
1: headlined, didn't they? they okay. headlined that, didn't they? Yeah.
0: Jay, they were the last band that night when dinosaurs ruled the earth played that show as well and um <clears throat> easy action the singer from easy action john Brannon, was in a one of the original like hardcore bands negative approach and then he was also in a band called the laughing hyenas and the laughing hyenas yeah. was the first band i ever booked when i was 16 years old and so they that like meant a lot to me that they were coming and then i had I, when i i had this vision for that show and was like i know complete's going to bring some people in because people are going to be Curious as to what you know from the YouTubes and all that, and I know people are going to come try to see complete easy action has their their scene. Dinosaurs ruled the earth had their scene in Austin, and it was really a crazy convergence of people that came there. And I remember my bosses came in a couple times that week because I had a hip hop show there as well, and they were like, "How the hell did you get all these people over here to the East Side? Now the East Side's the only place to go. That's where it's at in yes, Austin."
1: It is. I will agree with that. Oh, I know what I was thinking a while ago. The last thing you said to me was, thanks, Kurt. Now I got to go back over there and apologize to everybody because they ain't got no people. And I asked you, I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, there had to be at least 300 people at the place I was into. I went to go use the bathroom, come back, and these two chicks were leaving. I said, where are you going? And they said, complete's playing. And you came up, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah.
0: And y'all have played South by every year since.
1: Yes, we have, except for last year. Okay. Yeah, it's because, you know, if you have a founding member pass away that was your best friend, mm-hmm. but on going to plan it. And how find out about that's kind of wild.
0: Yeah, I want you to talk to me about Creature.
1: Well, Creature, as musicians, we sometimes get in some bad habits. And for all the years, I hid his drug habits, drinking and drug habits. And I just never wanted the world to think bad about the man. But he had a habit. You know, I mean, the night we was up there, you remember that, how he was, his eyes were big and, you know, that's creature. That's just, you know, doctor tells him to quit doing drugs, so what do you do? Start drinking. Let's do drinking. And then he started drugging and he, and he just he wouldn't quit, man. He just would not quit, man. Tried to help him. I walked him through rehabs and he just wouldn't learn. But he's still my friend, so, I, you know, I'm not going to abandon nobody mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he uh i don't know man last year was bad you know for years after that we used to talk shit about each other literally in front of each other you know f you f that i hope you die one day and when they're gone Mm -hmm. and a lot of people used to tell us y'all need to quit talking to each other like that because when the other one's gone you're gonna miss them and that's a fact and and boy that is so true i should have listened you don't listen man you know because nobody's guaranteed tomorrow on this planet nobody you can walk down the street like what happened on 27th to me my wife we're sitting at a red light the left for the second car This just kicked in, took the brakes and sandwich us yeah the car look you seen the car yeah Frames has been everything but we you know yeah it's okay. you were hit
0: you were hit from behind 40 miles an hour sitting at a red light
1: yeah i've been going therapy every day and i got two more weeks of it yeah
0: and this it really i know the feeling of losing a good friend my good friend zinn who i started a radio show with in houston we did for years it's one of my best friends from Houston. Zinn. went to denver with a, a musical partner his sitting in a red light <coughs> a drunk driver fell asleep at the wheel came hit him killed them both and i and that was just the year before i lost uh one of my best I lost, and then i lost at the end of that year dj JD. He overdosed in New Orleans. So, yeah. Yeah, I understand. Last year was rough.
1: But uh, Creature, man, he was such a unique dude. Before he started getting really sick, before the drugs really took over, he was the type of guy you just got to love. Because you call him, I don't care what time of day or night, I don't care what stage you were in, he would come help you. Hey, bring me a starter, bring me an alternator. He would go get it for you, pay for it, and come and get it and save you. Hey, man, I need a ride. He would do it. You know, and you don't find people like that every day. No, no, you don't find anybody. And uh, I don't know, we just had a friendship. I don't understand it because, you know, it just was a natural, just a fit, you know.
0: Until he passed, were you and Creature the only um, uh, uh, straight up members of Complete, like the one that throughout the whole career of Complete?
1: Yeah, because it was the original four members for what, almost three years. And then we did the video, and then Mark and Creature got in a big old, you know, like I was saying, and we formed Barbed Wire. After that, we formed a second version of Barbed Wire. Then we got to go with Green Dan Incubus, around the world, but Mark and Todd didn't want to go. So I had to call the original band, the original Barbed Wire, which was Mark and uh, Brian Wilson. Yeah, we toured, but when we came back to the States, they Wait,
0: all- Brian Wilson?
1: Yes, and Wilson, and Nancy Wilson. Sons. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know. Well, there's
0: another famous Brian Wilson out there, too. I was yeah, wondering. That. Yeah, okay, on, okay.
1: Yeah. But this is the other one. This is okay, gotcha. it. And, uh, but, anyways. Uh,
0: so you toured with Green Day and Incubus?
1: Here's how it happened. I get a call one day, and it, says, and it was what? It was 99, about September. And This producer we were working with said, hey, man, if y'all go do this gig in Oklahoma City for 100 bucks, you might get something good out of it. We had nothing to do, we're young, okay. Put a couple of dollars in, get it back probably, but let's go do it. So we ran and did it. And so a guy met us in the bar for a holiday in, gave us a deal and slid a check of $40,000 over and a contract said, we'll give you $40,000 apiece right now if you'll go and tour. It was banned. And I said, okay, that's cool. Uh, but Mark wouldn't sign it, neither would Todd. it was complete, because they were afraid. Some musicians get fear, you know, like I say, they can't have cameras and stuff like this. And so I called Brian and Jay and they, uh, I flew out early. They came out, they went to DFW and flew out behind me. They met us all over there, equipment showed up and everything, we were using equipment over there. Cause you know that 220 over there in Europe is different than over yeah. here. Yeah. So you gotta use their equipment. So uh, we uh, did the whole deal. And when I walk on stage, I'm looking at, it's a bop fest. The pop fest, yes. And as far as I can see people, as far as the eye can see. And so I I had to start playing bass on that one. Because that's when Creature and I, he went in the military. Creature went in the military, that's why. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing bass and we came back to the States where their wives, they were with us. They were actually, their girlfriends were now wives. They got married in Europe. They decided to settle down. So I called Martin Todd and they met me up in New York. So we finished the whole thing. And it's in 2000 when I met uh, James Hatfield in San Bernardino. It was an industry club. Only people in the industry can be there. And we played, that was the last deal we had to do. And I had to look over, uh, when I was sitting there and in, in the back there, there's Metallica. Oh, I'm kind of interested, I'm kind of into Metallica, you know, so it got me all started playing guitar. So I got to meet him. And so uh, James Hatfield looked at me and said, dude, what's that song you did? Slimy or whatever? I said, oh, Slimy, where'd you get it from? You know, musicians, you create something, I create something, we're going to know our rip. And I laughed, because the bottle of Jagermeister I sent over, I helped them drink that and two more. We are lit, it's like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. I am totally, I ain't seeing nothing. So uh, that's one scene that was about to happen in Metallica, because they didn't want Jason Newsted on stage. I was playing bass with them. They wanted to play my stuff. So James Hill says, how do you play that rip? So I showed it to them. So I took him to Sticky Destroy, added one more on to it, and just keep it simple, and the da-da, you know, da 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 And then the chorus goes, da 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 There's your four quarter notes. <sighs> nope, that ain't the way you do it. And he showed me how I play it to this day. Play a solid, stay there, and if you can find a groove and bass play, the bass player and the drummer will take you the rest of the way. Mm. And that's how I still play it to this day. Man. And it was in an instant, and... It's so ironically that Metallica's been keeping up. I guess he remembers me. I don't know if he does. But he, you know, he sends me stuff all the time from Metallica. Wow. Not from James, but I still get stuff, new Metallica stuff. And I send them new stuff, so it probably is James. Wow. But yeah, in 2000, I seen the problem that we having with Jason Houston. And at that moment, I kind of knew that, and now we all know the story. So, 2003, yeah, they got Robert Trios. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I got to see Metallica open <clears throat> open for Ozzy Osbourne with Cliff Burton early on and that's that's one of my um man, one of my greatest concert moments in uh, life. Yeah, we can we can toast to Cliff Burton. We must. The man. Man, one of the great. Truly the great. My idol. Your idol? Well man.
1: You've got voice I'm hearing
0: right there. Yeah, you got it. Well let's let's get into let's let's play beautiful sunrises for the people real quick. Let's take a break. We've been talking a lot. And let's come into modern day complete after we after we there hear you this. Go.
1: this yeah, we're gonna get wait to get, to that
0: now. get another song. This is beautiful sunrises. This is the first song I ever heard from Complete that made me a fan, and probably you as well. You're tuned in to <clears throat> Talk So Real with Matt All. This is episode one. Kurt Lowe is in the house, and we're gonna introduce the brand new member in just a moment. Stick with us. Tonight,
2: hey. name me a song. Beautiful sunrises.
0: Uh, blown me away with some of the stories of the past and what what really went down and how that all came together and it's something that I've, you know, we've known each other a long time, but I've always wondered you know, I wanted some of those facts. Like, (laughs) Like I wanted wanted to hear
1: Like, the night of the show, now you know you kind of thought we was on something. Yeah, we were. Yeah, man,
0: I was wondering about that. man I didn't want to know. But uh, what's going on with you guys now? Because the last CD came out, was it two wasn't quite two years ago the last cd or two What's years that? ago the last cd y'all put out was a year to two years ago right
1: that was uh, four mm-hmm. years ago now no no the oh that oh my god that was a disaster What? <laughs> i went and, creature and i wanted to relive the glory days because we'd released remember <laughs> about seven eight years ago that cd we released mm-hmm. We sold in 112 countries right after we played the first year at South by Southwest, and we should have never changed it. Mm-hmm. But Creature was thinking, we need a lead, we need to lead, we need to lead. Now, we need to stay with we made us famous and stay basic, simple, and just rock. But I was trying to keep him happy, because like I say, he was sick for a long, long time, and I'm trying to cater to him. You know, friends do that. Mm-hmm. And so I brought in a lead player, his name's Anthony Belvin. Oh my God, what a nightmare. This guy will play a lead. See, you know, how you leave. you know, you little short, little whatever, your intro, this, that, and the other, and then your main lead, and then a little bit at the end. This guy will play seven leads, different styles in every song. And this is no joke. And I didn't, even, once I put that out there and nobody liked it, I pulled it off. It's, today, I'm selling the one that Christian and I released so many years ago. That's the one people want to hear
0: the one with the black and white cover, though, is what you're talking about, right? The the one that you didn't like was on with the the kind of black and white cover, cause, cause I had the one before, cause I think the one before you called it a complete barbed.
1: Yeah, that's the one that Creature and I did. Right. It came from Barbed and Metal Stallion. Right. That's yeah, that's complete mixed with those two bands' sounds.
0: But then what was the name of the one? It had like um, it had like a castle on the cover or something. It was like a what it was? Has
1: it has the original one that. Uh, God, who that company is, Waywords printing or Wayward something about advertising. Did the one with the ship, the uh, the mobile home instead of the blimp. We put that on the front cover. That's the That's one you're talking it, about. Yeah. That's the disaster. You know, but I as a musician, we were talking about this earlier today. You, I I like to call it a brain fart, but you just brain you won't go nowhere. You can't move on, you can't go nowhere. And it seems like everything's getting worse and worse and worse. You try so hard, but nothing happens. You know, when it's so easy when you began or at certain times, it just, everything comes. Everything falls to place and it's just so easy. And I went through that for 18 years almost.
2: Mm.
1: Everything's just recycled, recycled, recycled. No new songs, no new nothing. And uh, so I was a creature, uh creature. Uh, he told me after New York. After New York, I mean, I watched my friend, we went to Brooklyn. We were supposed to play at the Billboard Music Awards.
2: Right.
1: Had to cancel that, send a $1,000 back on that. I wanted to do Billboard Music Awards because we were already there. Uh, we were supposed to do down to the West Coast in the Van Zant bar in Florida, then come up to San Antonio, Houston, then do Austin, we're back in Fort Worth. And, and uh, met, I met this guy, this young kid. It was in 2009. Uh, Tony B and I, we'd practiced right before it was gonna go down for about four months. We had a lead in place and we were tight. The original complete stuff we took that and made it amazing, mm-hmm. really did. The bass seven was really alive. And uh, Tony and I had a falling out for some reason. I don't remember. Who cares? It's so long ago. His wife Diane called me. She said, "You know, always keep an eye out for a monster on bass, you know." And she called me one day. She said. I got you a monster. You had to train him, but he's a monster. And she puts the phone up the door. I'm listening to this bass player that, it's like these ideas are just forming in my head. I'm seeing, I can see lyrics that, I mean the creative juices are flowing. Well, I gotta run up there. I don't want Tony to see me, but I wanna listen to this bass player. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, as a musician, if you've been around a little while, it takes you real quick to assess players. What they don't have, what they do have, what they—they're really the strong points. They're really good at timing. This guy is timing from hell and bar none. If it—if you've come up with something with this guy, you better do it every time, at the same time, because he's gonna be looking at you, kind of like creature. You should look at me across stage. You feel it. You don't even look at him. You ever done that? You don't even look at him because you know they're gonna be looking evil at you. Anyways. And I thought the only thing he's never done, because he's done jazz and that Louisiana style music, he's more of a walker, man. He walks them scales, do do do. He's all over. I mean, he's very solid, but he don't know. He don't know shit about heavy metal. He don't nothing about punk. You know nothing about rock, rock, rock and roll, just in your face. But I trained this guy, so I left. I, the, the door opens, I run away like a little bitch. I didn't want Tony to see me, you know. So. uh Asked, I asked, Diane says, Do you want his number? He gives me his number. So I called him and said, hey dude, I, I've heard you playing. And I didn't tell him the story but I was outside the room until uh, years later. He didn't know, I'd heard the guy play. I heard this guy play. And uh, so, Creature wanted to step out in New York and he really did. He was wanting because he was weak. He didn't want to look bad. He didn't want to hurt the band. <laughs> and so I pulled Ryan over. Uh, i want to introduce everybody
0: yeah i was about to say
1: man hold on this guy. Oh and my
0: God. you got to introduce them you're time you're, you're, you're giving guy. him a big build up
1: uh so i give him a call he comes over one day and
0: you still didn't introduce him
1: oh it's his name is ryan everett but he's cool what about him is he comes up his stage name is ryan brady or i got it wrong because i'm kind of you know me, y'all know me, I'm loaded, okay? I don't ever walk around loaded, remember the LSD? I you got from? But anyway, I'll let him tell you for himself. But But uh, I called him up, and he came over, and he sitting on the couch, and creature wasn't, he was coming down off the drugs. He was, I have a ottoman on the side. So he was covered up. You really couldn't tell he was there because he was curled up on the couch. So, so Ryan and I were sitting there going through stuff, and, and Ryan's just like anything, well, if I'm gonna be a part of a curtain, you know, I'm coming I see what you need, but I'm gonna need to do this, I'm gonna need to do a couple of changes. And he's talking about tempo changes, not chord changes, tempo changes. Boy, a creature comes up out of the blue like nothing, looks straight at Ryan says, dude, if you change a fucking chord, I'll cut your balls off. He reaches onto the couch and there's a big broad sword. Ryan didn't see it, but that's what he grabbed. And I said, no, creature, no, 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 and he put it back down. And so, Ryan and I talked for a minute, but it took that good deal of this guy that I'm trying to play with and just fucked it. Creature fucked up the groove. You really remember that? But anyways, I wanted to introduce Ryan to you real quick. Uh, but, so, before I went down, he shattered his ankle when I went on that West Coast run last year. And uh, he, uh, and I said, damn it, dude. Because I took him a, a year earlier, South by Southwest. So I wanted to test how good this guy really is. Can you play on the fly? You, can you be a complete band member? Which is basically improv you have to. I gave him six songs. And he's he's such a professional.
0: Six songs and how many hits of acid? Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Okay.
1: <laughs> Anyways, I gave him six songs just to test him. Hey, we ain't going to play this day. We're not going to play none of these songs. So I gave him these six songs and... Next morning, he shows up, and he's like, or, or about a week later, he said, give me a week. So, I gave him a week. He comes back, and he says, dude, so we're going to play this song, this song, this song. And I said, yeah. So, I put him on stage at South by Southwest in front of, at J, uh, B.D. Riley's, and I want to see, because I brought a real good drummer. His name is Genesis, one of my best friends. I ain't seen him in 22 years, and, and uh, oh, my God, he blew me away. He blew the people away. They loved him. It was like I found and. It, not to be rude i love creature we had something great together but i could see at that moment in time the next level if we got a little time together so uh creature had heard from some of the people that were his friends said how good to show it so of course he wants to come back so i got to tell ryan that he didn't want to because we were grooving we'd already started making plans on the way back i mean i was trying because i i lost uh the original guitarist i was in before I, about 6.30 in the morning, his wife called. He was playing in Detroit, Michigan, and he was shot in the head. Right before Ryan shows up, and then here Jenna shows up. I gotta act as if the whole day. I am not ready to take the stage and nothing, but I did it, I did it. And uh, so, Ryan and I started talking. I said, yeah, i do want to go on this West Coast trip. I'll do it, and then when I found out the creature was dead, I'm through. I'm not gonna do it no more. I'll never find someone as unique as him, someone that I can trust, someone that I can say, hey, dude, here's what I got. What do you think? And come back and give me some, some acknowledged stuff that really grooves, that really is shit. And uh, so uh, I came back literally because I felt betrayed because nobody told me he died. He died on Thanksgiving Day and December 2nd in the middle of an interview. And the, the interviewer says, you're doing pretty good right now, girl. Yeah, you're doing good. And I said, well, yeah, we lost the van because I, I, the bass player, I knew he wrecked it. The bass player I was using, I wanted to use Ryan, but he had shattered his ankle. So I, uh, I, I'm I, i using this guy. I know he did it. In my heart, I feel it. But that's okay. I got to deal with it. Buy another vehicle. So I think they're talking about that vehicle, how we got stranded. No. He goes, no, with creature dying. Oh my God, so all the people that told me, be careful what you say about your friends, you may miss them. They had interviews over, stop. I had the power pack on me and everything. I chirked it off, I threw it, I didn't throw it down, but I set it on the hood of the car and walked away. No more interviews, nothing. I got two more days to play gigs out there in California. So I got back, I sold everything I got, except for one little amp, guitars, amps, everything. But now next morning comes around after I sold everything, Here's Ryan calling me. Hey, man, you ready to start? I've been waiting for four and a half years. I've had a lot of opportunities, but I've been waiting for you. Now, I'm the asshole here. I just sold everything I got. But I made this man. I've been making him wait for four and a half years to play with me. Now, I'm shithead. I'm the dickhead that you read about some of the asshole musicians. I'm that one. So, I called a friend of mine, Felix Helix. You know the guy that's been playing a couple years with me? He's got a guitar. He'll me i can get one and i love that guitar now that's my favorite of all the ones i've ever owned bar none so i went out and bought me an nice and i want the world to meet ryan now because he's he speaks quite well for himself then i introduced my friend which here's a little story about creature because three days before he passed he came out of my house I apologized apologize for left on a trip and he said you know that kid you brought in what ryan i said yeah ryan that's his name I said, dude, you need to let him take my place. He can take you to the next step because he's got so much talent. And I was jealous. And I said, dude, are you on drugs? He said, no, I'm straight today, actually, But I've got to make amends. So we, you, if you've been around death like I have a lot, you know basically what's coming. And I said, oh, God. So I, I hadn't talked to Ryan in about six months. And so I called him. I said, hey. And that's when he told me about his ankle. Make no come, no come to, you know, like anybody would. I've heard this a million times, you know, play I Man, he's mad. He has a right to be, don't, don't. You gotta admit, he has a right to be mad. I've been blowing him off like a girlfriend you don't want to mess with him no more, right? And that's why he felt. He said, well, I work with you, Kurt. I got this going, that going. And I could tell you what, he wanted to, but he just, that what he originally had three, four years ago, that's gone. That fire is dead. And I thought, well, Maybe so uh then when i came back who's waiting on me ryan's waiting he's all been waiting four and a half years to be and uh and so we started playing together and he i guess eight and a half months went by we were fighting each other his style my style and one day i don't know it was just something happened oh we were playing with a guitarist named mondo wasn't it right
2: yeah
1: and this guy for three months and a week every time we got together was wrong so that pocket that Ryan didn't understand about heavy metal and rock, oh, Armando was driving him every practice. So Felix and I would go outside and Felix would drink his beer out smoking my hoogie boogie and, and we'd listen to Armando and Ryan. They were going at each other and we were both betting how long it's going to take them to fight. But through it all, he learned what, what he didn't know. What he didn't know, whatever he, his dad, because his father trained him, he learned what he didn't know now and he's got it. And what's making that dude mad Everything in Ryan show, he'd say, oh, why don't you do this, Ryan? Ryan would do it. <laughs> Whatever the guy wanted, and I was like, wow. And I'm watching this guy become a kick-ass bass player.
0: Hmm. So, Ryan, uh, not Ryan, you tell me, though, you, you came from a musical family, though, right? Tell me about your father.
1: Yeah.
3: My dad played with the uh, Boogie Kings back in, um, God, I can't remember. I can't remember. It's been um, way before I was born, and um, he trained me. To um, learn to play the old school stuff. So, we were playing uh, a little bit of Sam McCook, Otis Redding. Some of the hard stuff that everybody, you know, as a musician, you should know. You should know this, you should know that. And you need to be, if you don't know it, by all means, you know, they just look at you like you're the worst person on the planet, too. So, I was like, okay. I started, started picking it up. And then I was, I was learning the wrong way. I ended up learning backwards. I didn't know. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, I go to my dad. My dad comes to me about when I'm 18, you know, 17, 16 years old. I'm saying, dad, I want you to teach me. But well, teach me the right way. Mm-hmm. Well, I learned the right way, but I didn't learn like that pocket for certain genres. I learned a pocket for my music. with the Southern Louisiana, Cajun, French, all that. I didn't know anything. I listened to rock. I listen to Three Doors Now. I listen to all those bands back in the 90s. One Hit Wonders. I never... I never knew... I never tried to play them because I was doing the other style. And then finally I get with Kurt. And he blows me off for four years. You know, and I'm just sitting there like, why? And so now... I show him what I can do And I told him, I'm not going to change the notes or nothing, but we are going to add a few notes, you know, because you want to make it a major scale. You know, we want to talk theory, but we don't really have to. So, he taught me the metal theory. Metal, classic rock, rock and roll. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, like everybody says. So, I finally got it, and then I broke an E string on this song called America. That we just wrote for complete. And we wanted to complete in and, and Metal Stallion to uh, play it together because I think combining it, because we're all the same members, combining it would be the best way. So I tried to get him to, you know, with him being bipolar and being hard headed.
1: Like you I, ain't bipolar. Yeah, I
3: am too. You just stop it. <laughs> and, anyways, you're hard headed. I finally got him to realize what I was trying to do. So now, he's happy. So now, I broke an E string. And it was right in the middle of it, Tony was doing his solo. And I was holding the note, and then all of a sudden we jumped right back into it. And then I broke that E string, and I was like, well, I did something right. Because if you don't break a string, that means you ain't playing. You know, you gotta at least break one string every now and then to say, oh, "Did I do that right?" He said, yeah, you did. So the way I found him, like you said, Diane found me, and about I didn't know that he was standing behind the door the whole time, discovering me.
0: And uh, well, do you remember that moment when Creature called you out, man? And did you yes, know? I did you know that? that did you know that he had a sword under the couch?
3: <laughs> oh no, no, I did, I didn't know. But, being humble, and the way I was raised, you know, tried to be, I just went, ah, it's just, that's what bass players are, I guess. You know, I don't know. I just know I'm not like that. But, there is some people I don't like, and there's some people I do like. But, it was just like, when Peter called me out, Peter thought that, that I couldn't handle it, or I couldn't play. Well, I didn't know he was jealous that i had that much talent but i didn't i wasn't unleashing it like i was supposed to and so Kurt calls me up and tells me well, well he finally told me a week ago two weeks ago about what creature said and creature said that like he said he wanted me to replace him but he wanted to die first i guess and i was like okay so you don't play with the dead. So we decided to get a headstone, and that's what we're gonna do because uh, it's just wrong to be buried the way he is. And so I, I felt bad for Kurt because I was his friend for thirty years. and now we have that same connection now. So I went with him the other day to go get the pick out the headstone.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So but when he called me out, I just went mm, whatever, walked off. Waited a couple days, called him up again, and I said, I told him, I said, what Peter said. He goes, Yeah, I know, don't worry about it. I'm like, Okay. And uh, so then we started talking more about maybe we should do Metal Stallion and Complete together. And I threw it at him. He went, Yeah, but now I want to keep it separated right now because Complete was supposed to be in the past and all this and that because of. Because the Purple mic and Dyke and the bad video. Mm-hmm. But
2: it,
3: it, it really wasn't bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It really wasn't bad. Yeah, to man, me. Be honest, man. It really wasn't. It was out of time. I will give you that. It was out
1: of time. You're right about that. Yeah. It was out of time. Yeah. It wasn't in time. Yes.
3: But that's okay. Yeah. It wasn't it was bad. bad. He At least he did something. And I'm just sitting there like, really? I know. I want to do something like that one day. or But I want to do it right. So when we discovered the song called America and
1: you Tell them how we discovered it We planted it, remember? We we're. Pl- uh, well, I'm very
0: I'm actually, Kurt, I'm very interested in Learning the story behind your song In 2018
1: called America Okay, we'll get to be a song But this is just as good Uh We're planting Dent, this guy Rick Eyes Ryan and I were It was one of the moments we started breaking through Finally him and I We basically talked and it was like, you know what, forget the name. Let's just play together. Let's quit worrying about the name. Basically, Ryan brought this up. Ryan's like, does it matter a name, Kurt? Does it really matter? No, you're right, dude. He said, you can't walk away from the past, dude. You cannot do that, okay? I don't care where you are. You try. I know you think it's horrible, but people do know you from it. So don't forget the past. I know you'd like to take a break, but they're wanting to book you, so let's go do Denton. We're at dinner, house party, and my new rig has got uh, its two cords go to two. Uh, it has a, a stereo and a mono cord go to my pedal. It's got all the effects in it there, so I don't have to have a pedal board. And my 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 stereo cord, which is two, it went out right at the end. We got over what a hundred something, one hundred something people at least. There's about 150 in that room. And oh, it was in the
3: house, hot. Oh, the whole. It was so hot, dude. We meet him a dying. He's dying. Oh yeah, he's dying. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the monochord goes out, and I'm looking at him. Oh,
2: okay.
3: And I'm looking at him, and I'm and I'm pissed because he's like he's messing me up because I'm the bass player and the drummer is the timekeeper, and the rhythm. And he messed me up. And now when I realized what happened, I hey, said, Hey,
1: hey, hey, let me say something. There's that creatures type of deal again. <laughs> Do what, remember what creatures you say all the time? Tony says it all the time. Tony B with drummer, we What does he say? What you doing, kid? We uh, have this
3: thing, and I call him up sometimes, and then we'll say, hey man, tell boy, you that hey, to miss that note. Okay. Oh, keep
1: it down. Oh, okay. But anyway, okay. what, what happened was, is uh, my rig wouldn't work. No matter what I tried, I was trying and trying. So I brought this friend of all of ours, keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Llama, I love you to death, but you need to never play music again. I'm just being honest, you know. And so uh, I walk over to Ryan. I said, dude, Red's dead. I said, i tell you what, take off. He lays into this E, just a stranded E, and he's just thumping the holy shit out of it. And then Tony's laying this beat with him. Something they have been working on, I guess. And it's just so cool. So I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do a rap. And I rapped the whole damn thing in it. That's how America was born, because of that moment in time.
3: But the way we do it is because me and Tony been playing since 2009, and we had our own style, and we wanted to incorporate that fusing jazz a little bit, but with a rock and heavy metal form, all combined into one song, all combined into one song. And... I told him, I said, okay, so what do you want to do? And he told me to take off. I said, okay. I I said, I got something. It's improv. There you go. Improv. I improv the mess out of that song. But I knew what I was doing because it was something me and Tony had been working on since 2009. We never unleashed it until then. Mm-hmm. And Kurt's sitting there rapping his rapping on his little thing, and I'm sitting there, drums and bass, and they're up there digging it. I mean, they're up there, everybody's headbanging, everybody's trying to mosh, they were mosh pitting. They were literally mosh pitting for it. And I was like, okay,
1: well this works, so that's how America got discovered. Wow. And, And, so as I'm sitting there rapping, in my mind I'm thinking, that's the E chord he's doing. He's just swollen the heck out of it, which God bless Creature so I love him to death. He could play some of the most technical chords, but where he couldn't do, we couldn't take me, which Ryan can do with me, is he would lose count. He would lose count, it had to be four times this and then change, or six or eight, or he'd get lost. Now with Ryan here, He's like a dang Clydesdale. Get him going, and he goes. You almost got to walk up on the stage and say, hey, dude, we're here doing a song. (laughs) But not saying nothing about Creature, but it's like, I don't know. A lot of people don't believe in spirits. I do. I'm sorry. I mean, there's a soul. It's got to go somewhere. And so when we was working on these days, one day Ryan goes, man, I think Creature's here at Felix's house because we spent so many years, like 12 years there all the time. That was our place. That was our sanctioning wave from the world. And so, Ryan, that's when we started coming together, what, about three months ago? Two and a half, three months ago, really started clicking on some things. It was like a month ago. Like a month ago. A well, month and a half. And I said, dude, why am we in the park today so well? He said, dude, I swear to God, I heard Creature's voice. I said, what? Because I'm hearing his voice while we're playing the drummer. So the conversation comes up, we're all three hearing his voice. You know, you know this person's voice. And I said, what did he tell you? Creature told me to go
3: faster, go faster. Gallop, 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 gallop. It's a galloping song. He wants me to turn America into an Iron Maiden hmm. field. And so I'm like, okay. So now I just do that the whole time. And then I come back and do a, a straight up. Do do do, 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 and that's it.
0: Are we going to be able to play this live version of America for the people on this podcast? Is that possible? Can we unleash it to the people?
1: I tell you what we'll do. I brought it live. It's it's it. The music's good, but the vocals aren't really good. And what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a copy of it, and you can put this onto the show. And uh, this is just remember, record this live. And as a singer, I wanted to get the music first. You got to hear that first, one. and. That was three weeks ago, and uh, right now it's even way over the more than that. But no, because you and I have such history, I wanted to bring you something special because we've been trying to do this for over seven, no, nine years.
2: Man.
1: Long time. And I, and, that, and you're such a good friend to me. You've always helped me. So I would rather let you have it first
2: Man.
1: and go from there because you're part of the legacy of Complete. If it wouldn't have been for you, Complete would have never got in New York. Louisiana, Florida, let's be honest, nobody liked us. The industry does not like completely We're a thorn in their side, and now it seems like, here's something that we got that they call Ryan out now. What do they call us, Ryan? They
3: call us Renegades. The Renegades. They
1: call us the, renegades.
3: It's the, the, Tony, the, the drummer, the, the t- yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're okay. The, the drummer decided to say Renegades because we were just walking in the middle of the street and didn't. We don't give a damn, it's just like the song, I don't give a damn because we just, we just we're renegades. We don't care because it's that's what, it, it, that's what rock and roll is. So we're gonna live off of that, but we're still gonna be humble mm-hmm. about it because times have changed.
1: So our little name towards each other in the band is like, we're renegades, <laughs> we're
0: renegades. <laughs> Well, man, I think that's a good place to end. If we can give them give them a new song, something new to to digest, let them understand this is a live version. It's a it's a new raw version. We'll hear the studio version soon, I'm sure. But well, I mean, I want to say thank you guys really for coming out here with me meeting up. I I've been wanting to come out here and talk to you guys for a long time and really get the story, get the story straight. Man, it's very important. And uh, man, literally, uh. I'm really thankful for that day, the first time, when Craig Stewart and I were sitting at our computer watching that video. I really, I really am, am thankful that it led up to this.
1: Well, I can't go into details. I'm sorry I can't because of the contract I've signed. But, uh, I, I, okay, be careful, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we got, We got something special in the works. Yeah. Let's just say that on the little two shows we're doing, and here's something that nobody knows that, that, that Ryan and I decided to do. We're going to pick one of our fans, because we're going to be stuck in St. Paul, Missouri with Deadhead back. Yeah. Between here and there, we're going to pick one fan we know that really is a real fan, and we're going to do a house party at your house. Oh. cost you nothing. We're just going to show up and play. That's what we're about to do. What do you think, Ryan? You like that?
3: Yeah, yeah. We could do that because uh, we did the Denton one, and they wanted us to play again after that nine in Denton. They wanted us to do two sets instead of one, right. because they, I guess they called us the old school cats because we they are, really do, yeah. And we are. I mean, I, I'm 27. I may be not that old, but
1: your soul, you got an old I soul. I got an soul, old
3: soul, man. I mean, I, I love any kind of genre. I got 14 genres under my belt now. Nice. It's, it's, it's funny
1: how you think things will end and you want to end things that don't happen anyway. way. Mm-hmm. The rock gods see something you don't see because this is something nobody knew. Like I said, I saw it on my equipment. You looked at me kind of funny when I said that, but uh, uh, December the 13th was over. Diamond Jim Saloon in, in Arlington, that's when I was going to kick it in. So I got my guitar back. I got a guitar, the one I call Little Screamer now. Mm-hmm. I rebuilt. It's a rocket from, from China.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like an Ibanez here. The rocket's real famous over there. And I've rebuilt it all, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. That thing can what
1: stream. it came with a 75 pod volume pod, and I put a 500k in it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. then I've had to change it. You know how that goes. You got to change everything else. And uh, God, I forgot what I was thinking about. Hey man, I'm telling you, when you're a musician, so many things come to your head. Just goes away, especially myself. Uh, but
0: well, you got something big coming up. That's what you're telling.
1: But no, we wanted to bring this especially to you. And let you have something special because you're the one that gave me personally a chance. And and Ryan was just he was he was so excited to come over here and I think it's cool. Because he's the one, if it wasn't for you directly, complete would have never went global, really. I know it's Dave. Dave made fun of us. But if it wasn't for you giving our chance at South by Southwest, we would have never got to do everything else we've done at that point on. And it's because of you.
2: Man.
1: You didn't know that, did you?
0: I didn't know that, but I was just happy to have you. I was I'll really,
1: you, right, you right, know. It's because of you. You took a chance on a band that was unknown. And you know, what's, oh, this is what I forgot to say earlier. At the end of it all, because that's why I know you were lit, because you were being real honest. You looked at me and said, you know, Kurt, I got to go. Yeah, if y'all come, I understand your wife and everything. Dude, y'all don't suck. Y'all ain't that bad. Y'all are pretty damn good, you said to me. And you said, thanks. I got to go apologize to all these clubs now. I really appreciate what you gave me. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. You had to go apologize because we cleaned them out and, <laughs> and but that's when our friendship started it yeah, really was it did. that day it was born
0: yeah I'll never forget that man'm I'm, I'm glad we're still here today I'm glad we' finally got to do this I'm glad y'all are still around and we've got brand new music right now this is a song called America and uh man you can get Kurt Lowe on Facebook complete on F- complete fan page what is it on Facebookle complete, yeah, it's
1: complete. If you- Like you said earlier, we're the first band ever. Google Complete, the word. We're one of the first things that come up. There's a few other things come up. Oh, here's something you don't know. I forgot to tell you. You remember that first show we did when we got to meet? You told me something. You said, you know the band playing behind y'all is the band that used to call itself Complete from Canada. You remember that? Yes.
0: I don't remember that, actually.
1: That band, they stole our name. I guess they would seen that video or something. Way 2002 and 2003, a band out of Canada sold themselves complete. They played 2002 and 2003 at South by Southwest. Hmm. And when we went live, when we announced what we were playing, they contacted me, and they had shirts. We're talking about jackets, boots. The most awesome merchandise. And I wish them people would hook us up because we'd sure sell them some business because people want complete merchandise. I wish they wasn't so attitude I'm sorry that they lost their band, but we did copyright complete years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Now it's Ryan and I, but uh, I wish they'd come back. I love some merchandise that that band was selling. And the, did you know they were playing behind us on that stage? You didn't know that. Because that dude told me, you stole our name. That's what. And when you left, you had left. Remember, you had that party of, what, four, five, six people that were with you? When you left, that guy was talking trash me on the mic. No. And I walked, yes, I walked up to the stage. You know what I said to him? You can't beat a killer, motherfucker. Oh. And I walked off. Oh. Well,
0: that was quite a night. <laughs> yeah, well... We're still here today. I'm excited for the new music and uh, definitely thankful for y'all coming out here, man. And uh, this is the first of my new podcast series, Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. And it's right here with you, Kurt Lowe, Complete. And uh, what what we were talking about earlier, I don't think we totally, I want to say like, you know, all the bands now, especially rappers, are getting signed and making it off their SoundCloud or their YouTubes. You, to me, are one of the first real YouTube musical sensations, for sure. If you haven't found it yet, Complete Beautiful Sunrises is a p- great place to start on the YouTube. And then keep following uh, the links from there on. And you're going to link them link up with Facebook and everything else. And what's that?
1: We never finished The Beautiful Sunrise Story. Oh, yeah, let's we talk never. about that. Yeah. Okay. Ryan is such a perfectionist, and he was taught so well... It was about a month ago, Ryan, I guess was at home looking on the internet, he said, Kurt, we've got to do Beautiful Sunrise. You've got to bring the original lyrics back because that song was really, that's the one I've looked at everything since I'm a part of it now, since I'm basically the next man in, I've got to keep with the legacy of what creature you built. You know, so that's why I love this guy because he's thinking about keeping it going We've got to do beautiful sunrise, and you've got to bring about the original words on everything. you got to stop putting the extra stuff that don't belong and go back. So we started working on it, and I said, well, dude, I just don't like that chord they had in that first dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, because dun, 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 it just, it could be better. He said, let's do it in the Make it grungy, and really, in your face. You all wanted to be Iron Maiden and, and, and Led Zeppelin? Let me show you how to do it. And he laid this beat down and the song is live again, better than ever. Mm. The new version will blow you away. It's like there's 40 or 50 bands around us, right? They say now this about complete. This is something that's never been said. We're classical rock, we have our own style and damn y'all are good. Mm-hmm. That's an honor, especially when young musicians younger than me, this Ryan's aging younger. And they're good. What's that band? Messner or whoever? Messer.
3: Messer's a good band. And the bass player is like older than me. But he said, uh, for y'all, y'all sound really good. Y'all have, y'all, y'all have what it
1: takes to make it. Man. And Brian was so determined. if we're gonna do this, we have to bring back the one song of all, which is Beautiful Sunrise. Hmm. So I brought back the original lyrics. We put a little spin on it. We kept with the same of everything the song has. But now, what every musician wants to hear, it's got balls. Real balls. And as soon as y'all get to America out there, as soon as we get through and everything and you let them hear it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's just something brand new that I was always looking for. But as my uncle Willie told me so many years ago, back to that, it takes the right people on stage to have the right sound. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. So I guess, I had to go years of what I was doing with Creature and going through the, all the stuff I went through with him to eventually meet Ryan. Man. And that's like, wow. And the good thing about Ryan is, it's, I'm feel young again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He makes me want to get out and do it again. Yeah. Last Saturday, for instance, I'll give you, I have take a lot of medication because I was in a wreck I was talking about, and, and I get sick a lot right now. And I was laying there, all oh, about three hours. And I was just laying there dying. And he looks at me and goes, Curt, You know if you lay there, you're just gonna say sick. If you get up and move around, and if you don't feel bad, feel good, I'll bring you back home. And I listened to my friend, which he is my friend now, because helping me, uh, because he brought up about creature in the memorial. Uh, I went yesterday, I've been putting it off since the beginning of all that. We're fixing to put the GoFundMe and the different sites up about it. I went yesterday to the funeral, but the place where they make this deal, this was a funeral home where his grandpa was buried. I broke down for an hour crying like a little baby. And so I went over his house and he, he said, well, were we ever gonna do that monument? Not knowing I was already there. And for him to help me do it, pick me and walk me through it, he's got to be a friend. He's got to be, in, and it's like that, it's like uh, the Diamond Jam Celine 13th. It's a drummer like Genesis guy talking about Thumper that plays with, uh, uh, who's he play with? Uh uh Are you talking about? Genesis, who does he play with all the time? Rod Stewart? He plays with Rod Stewart, it's Rod Stewart's known for This guy told me about the same thing that Genesis did. This kid is too young to have, such. he has an old soul in music, an old soul, and that's what he has. Oh. He knows stuff that you wouldn't think he knows. He just truly knows it. And it's so nice to be playing after all these years with somebody that all I gotta do is, not even say record, just play. You know, and to look at him and see, okay, where are you at on the neck? Okay, I got gotcha, you, let's go. And not argue, not fight, and just put it out there, throw it out there, and it comes out. And, and when y'all get to hear America, you'll understand what I'm talking about. This, this has only been played three times prior to what you're going to hear, and when we recorded the music.
0: Man, well, once again, thank you so much for everything. and. That- you can hear the uh, Talk So Real with Matt Sinzala on all the podcast platforms, SoundCloud.com slash Pusher the iTunes, the PusherMania Podcast Network, the Stitcher, the TuneIn, all them. And I hope to uh, catch you back here soon. Email me anytime, matt at pushermania.com, pushermania Mania on the Instagram, PusherMania on the Twitter, and uh, don't bother me on Facebook. Until next week. 57 seconds just a snippet man but you can't expect complete to just release a magnanimous song like that on the internet just on some random fucking podcast like this man they gotta set that up right but that was a song america from complete i do appreciate y'all everybody who made it through the whole thing listened with us my name's matt sonzala this has been talk so real with matt sonzala subscribe to us me this on your favorite podcast platform soundcloud itunes whatever you do And please tell a friend to tell a friend, spread the word, post it on your social networks, let the people know, complete, the complete story, complete, is finally out. You know what I'm saying? That's how we do. Tune in next time uh, when when you subscribe, it'll just come right to your thinger dinger, your phone there, and then you'll know. Hit me up. Love to hear from you. Again, your Mania on all the networks. Talk soon.